Welcome. I'm your host, Carl Nelms, and this is the Bloke Psychology Podcast, where we discuss everything from men's health, mental health, relationships, psychology, masculinity, and pretty much everything that relates to being a man in today's society. Today's episode features Mr. Sabab Khan. Now, Sabab's a personal trainer and a fitness coach, and I've known him for a fair while. And we pretty much chat about one thing in this episode, and that's getting massive, getting ripped, getting lean. Also known in the psychiatric world as bigorexia or body dysmorphia. And this is a topic that a lot of guys, especially in their teens, 20s and 30s can relate to. It's something that impacts a lot more men than you would think and needs to be talked about a lot more. So Bob talks about his own experience of working with this and how to challenge his clients when he can see that maybe guys are wanting to get big, wanting to get massive, put on significant muscle bulk for perhaps not the right reasons. And maybe there is something more going on there. As in every episode, guys, if this brings up some challenging things for yourself, please reach out to a support service local to you, Lifeline or equivalent help service or helpline, or seek independent advice and consultation from your registered health practitioner. Enjoy, guys. And we're live. Welcome back to the Bloke Psychology Podcast, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. I'm here today with Sabab Khan. Sabab, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Carl. Nice to be on it. No, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Today, we're talking to Sabab, who is a personal trainer and fitness coach about body image and body dysmorphia. Now, specifically when it comes to men and males in particular, body dysmorphia often presents as muscle dysmorphia or that notion of not being big enough also known as bigorexia or megorexia in the psychiatric manual first thing i want to throw at you though sabab is that i know we've chatted a little bit in the past about this whole idea of not being big enough for guys and i imagine for yourself you would have a lot of guys probably in their late teens early 20s coming to you saying hey man i want to get ripped i want to get shredded i want to get massive brah <laughs> What's well, your experience the... <laughs> being with that? So, like, the thing you just said, like, the, as a personal trainer, when you do get males coming in, the biggest, like, the first thing is, like, you have to go with a questionnaire about, you know, what are your goals? And they try to be as subtle as they can because in the goal sheet, you have, you know, fat loss, muscle gain, and all that stuff. So, they usually go for the fat loss and the muscle gain, like, the main two goals. But then the question goes, so, like, what do you actually want? They're like... I just want to get huge. Like, they want to be the biggest person in the gym. Like, and that's always their goal. So, but the thing is, like, getting there is a way harder process. Like, there's so many things you need to consider actually getting to where you want to get. And then people just think you can just come to the gym and if you keep hitting weights, you'll get there. And especially nowadays with, like, social media, with all these bodybuilders promoting all these things, it's hard to get, like, uh, it's because a different image now. Sorry, like what they're portraying is not 
sustainable or main, like even achievable in a normal way or the natural way, like we like to say it. Well, it's like, also you have not to... healthy to maintain that all yeah, year round like, either. Yeah, like again, that's the other thing. Like people who compete will have a better understanding, like bodybuilding, physique competitions, like the things you have to do to get there. And personal experience, like I tried leaning down, like I did lean down and mentally it's like, all you think about is food, you know, mm. like you can't sleep because your energy levels are low. You're just thinking about, oh, when my next meal is and also like you can't have a normal meal. Like if your mates go, hey, do you want to go catch up? Like, uh, you don't want to be that person who goes out and just sits there and be like, yeah, I'll just hang out while you guys eat, but I'm happy to have a chat and be around you. So it's just, again, like with clients, I usually find they just want to get big and i'm like why do you want to get big and they're like and it mostly comes because i think they want to they feel like they look better and feel better at getting big and i think the tension which is a big thing nowadays especially with social media people just want attention mm. and i got this from my account as well like i'll put up informational content up there will be like some sort of like interaction I'll put up a photo of me working out, just looking a little jack with like the horrible caption, no information, and the like button just goes off. And then it makes you question like, like this, like what do people actually want? Like in terms of like you know what does it bring? This like you know being the biggest person in the room, like and like I also have that goal to become you know the biggest person in the like the room, but. Like, first of all, you have to realize, like, I don't have the genetics for it, so I can't accept that it's not going to happen. <laughs> the second thing I took into uh, consideration was, uh, does that actually align with what I actually want to do with my life? Like, in terms of my work goals and, like, you know, social st- like status. Like, and some people do get intimidated. It's, like, in terms of getting client reach, like, I, I'm, like, an all approach, like, training, like, everyone who wants to train with me kind of trainer. Like, if I only focus on one area getting massive, then I might intimidate some people in terms of coming and training with me. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you need to take into factor when, you know. How do you, how do you work with that, Sabab, though? Because I imagine, I mean, it's a bit different if I have a client experience in these things. But yeah. for you, a guy's coming to you and saying, dude, I just want to put on five five kilos of, you know, lean muscle mass, get the six pack, that sort of thing. Now, if you can probably identify that uh, this guy's really got some unrealistic expectations and maybe he's bordering on actually consider like maybe having muscle dysmorphia and having an, a preoccupation and obsession with this, how do you work with that? Because for you, by that, that's I imagine that's a fine line because you almost might be selling yourself out of a client. True. Like at the start, you have to tell them like, you know, it's way harder to put on muscle than lose body fat. So if someone who's really scrawny comes in, sorry for that, we're using the word scrawny, but like someone like really slim, skinny. somebody slim. Yeah, slim. Yeah, slim. Let's go with slim. Uh, you have to say it's a longer process, you know. You have to put like strength will come within time, you know. At start, you will get strength, you will get stronger. So the, the first few months, you will feel good, you know. You're going to put on a lot of weight fast because your body's not used to all this new stimulus coming in. But other thing is, are you willing to put in the effort and eat as much food, you know, because you have to start eating more. And then it's just being, the most thing with anything is consistency, like how consistent you are. And then, and also like, 
you have to go like this and me try not to get too much into it like the science bit but like your nutrition has to be good you make make sure you're training well and the thing that most people don't take into consideration is recovery because they're just getting into it and your motivation will be sky high you know you had a good session and then usually like you want to come back the next day straight away and at the start you will like you know you'll have that energy to come back and this is for me personally as well my first ever gym session i felt amazing i went in did my work and i'm like you know this is great i can do this all the time woke up the next day i could not move like everything was sore and i'm like you know i can't be going to gym every day like and i can't be pushing myself this hard like you know and this was me being young first getting into it like training at the start is again trying anything different is fun you know and if you enjoy it as well and i found interest in it and also with that I, i'm like i just want to keep doing it cuz it's giving me like you know a better look at myself as well when i look at the mirror i feel better like you know mm. getting stronger and firmer but again with clients you have to tell them everything you do regardless of putting on weight or losing weight you have to give time and bodybuilders sometimes you know they don't discuss like steroids that's another thing like the steroid abuse like you can get they get big so fast when they get injured they don't lose anything because their body's you know adapted to kind of using the supplements or the substances sorry yeah so just giving someone a real realistic expectation it's like you have to be patient and consistent like i'm happy to set out the program for you but you have to make sure you follow through with it. So trying to readjust their expectations on what is realistic and what's actually involved if they want to achieve or attain that body that they're they're talking about. Yeah. So again, like it will take time. Like unless they go down that path. But the other thing is, ask like what happens when you do get there. Like, are you going to be happy? That's <laughs> the other what? question. You know. Yeah. Like especially now we see with bodybuilders nowadays. Like they get to a stage where they're big. Yeah. and the next is oh let's get bigger and bigger and bigger mm. like what is the ideal shape you want to be cuz that kind of goes into your head you know like i'm there am i satisfied yet no i can be better like well, I, I, have- i think one of the dangers there sabab i mean and you, you probably have seen this before uh i've had a few clients who i've had this discussion with and that they definitely haven't come to see me because of this issue but it's just come up inadvertently and one guy in particular was saying oh, i want to get put on like 5 6 kilos or what not i said oh you know what are you doing because you know personally i've of uh you know been around weight training what not for probably since my early teens so I, i know a little bit and I, i sort of said look you know you need to be doing abcd at least but why and it, and i guess what i'm getting at is that so many of these guys whether they're bodybuilders or not they tie their self-worth and self-confidence and self-esteem to how big or ripped they are. And I'm guessing you would see that a hell of a lot. Yeah, I think the main the reason why like they don't want to say it but like most of the clients I've had that came in to like, you know, get ripped and stuff with males, they're like, oh they recently went through a breakup or something, you know, changed their life. And I think they kind of associate that with like if I get ripped, I'll get attention. You know and that's a big thing like I see it in my friends too you know like they go into gym and stuff and they go to gym cuz at the end of the weekend they can go night out and pick up <laughs> which is like not the reason why you should be working out but 
that's the aim, you know. That's what they want to work towards. But it is hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, I can even think from my early 20s, I mean, the attention that you get if you if you are, you know, a little ripped or you do have, you know, more muscle than sort of the average guy, you do actually get more attention whether you're out or whether, you know, it's on social media, you do. So it's a really fine line for guys. It is. Like, high school, I was pretty overweight. Like, but then around the end of high school, I started losing weight. And then... When I started losing weight, I started getting more attention, which also, mm. you know, coming from personal experience, I'm like, hey, if people like me if I'm skinnier, would they like me if I get a bit musclier? <laughs> and, you know, and then that kind of kind of prompted me to go to gym a bit more, you know. And then that, you know, having no attention to getting attention and then becoming a trainer from that and then learning the proper ways to do it. But then comes the other social, you know, aspects like people oh you shouldn't be you're a trainer do you eat this do you eat this you should not be eating this you know so there's a lot of things that come with it like you get the attention but you also get the negative kind of attention yeah like oh it's just a fitness freak it's not going to come out or something <laughs> like that so yeah it's there's positives and negatives to it but again you have to see it depends on the individual how do you concept what you or how do you perceive sorry what you getting from other people but mm. attention is one of the biggest things i think what people or especially males go to the gym for just to get that or create that attention so and that well uh, i was reading a few studies i mean one you sent through but a few others that i was reading last night about uh muscle dysmorphia in particular which is primarily what we're discussing yeah. uh, not to say that men can't experience other eating disorders but you know for the purpose of this episode primarily muscle dysmorphia is what we're talking about and One study actually estimated that one in 10 guys who go to the gym uh, would meet the criteria for muscle dysmorphia. And I had to think about that because I've been in gyms since I was about 13, 14. And I thought, you know what, that's that's probably true, if not higher. Yeah, it is like, I think also like at a younger age when you go to high school, like the kids who are bigger stand out more. Oh, yeah. Like, especially like, and some some are gifted with the genetics, so you have to accept that. Like, <laughs> like you're going like, yeah, I can work as hard as you, but if you're working the same as me, then I'm not going to catch up to you ever. But like if the study, the study I showed, like sent you as well. Like they, I think, surveyed fifteen thousand kids in Australia between fifteen and nineteen, and the muscle, or the body dysmorphia was one of the top three cases. Yeah. So the body image does come into play, and also like you know. Going to high school, especially in the high school environment, if you're skinnier or smaller compared to someone who's bigger, you're ideally picked on. So that was like kind of my situation in high school. Like the skinnier, smaller, or the shorter, fatter kids will get picked on compared to if you're like, you know, like tall and like slightly built. So it does, and that does, that does come into play when, you know, you know, going to the gym and working, you know, working yourself to the ground to get to like, to, to even stop that kind of happening to you. Well, especially as a teenager where you're trying to find yourself and as a teenager, you're trying to not only fit in, but you're also trying to fit in whilst developing an individual identity. And if you're the guy with muscles, if you're the you're the super ripped dude, it's a very easy way to separate yourself and get that attention. Really interesting stat that I found in another article, um, where is it? That's right. So body dysmorphic disorder, I mean, this is males and females. In Australia, they estimate uh, in a lot of the studies they've done overall, it's 2.3% of the population uh, report body dysmorphic disorder. So it's quite prevalent. 
Well, the interesting thing is it's it's actually more prevalent than schizophrenia and anorexia combined, but we hear very little about it, especially when it comes to men, because it's almost that invisible disorder. And I imagine this is true with females as well, because a lot of the things people who meet the criteria for body dysmorphia would be doing, we almost, especially in the Instagram culture we're in at the moment, we almost idolize that, don't we? It's almost seen as healthy and that that's the goal. And it's very hard to find that fine line between a problem and dysfunction. Yeah, like especially like you mentioned, like with the Instagram, like some of the images being portrayed there, it's like, is it like maintainable all year round, like you mentioned earlier? It's not. But to them, like the person putting the photo, they don't care. They're doing it for like a monetary kind of value kind of. No. If I get it out there, people, then that will generate more interest in them. That will make their business better. But are they selling them like the honest, pro- like, you know, the honest thing? Like, is this what you're actually going to get? Like, if you do do this, like one of the, have you seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's documentary? The first one. Pumping iron. Pumping iron. Yeah. I think it's a, that one. Or it's a different document. I'm kind of, I think I'm getting too mixed up. Like they do this bit, like they do a photo shoot with this bodybuilder and he's kind of promoting a supplement. And then, after the supplement, it's like, I don't use it. I just do it because they pay me. So it's kind of like, if you're trying to show people, you know, you're getting images some some way, like tell them the truth. Don't just give them a false answer. And then then people are going like, especially teenagers or people like the younger adults going to the gym, pumping all these weights out. Like the end goal is different. They're not going to get the same results compared to someone who's on steroids will get like, better results because they're recovering, going back. If compared to someone who's just going in, no proper nutrition, just pumping weights out, taking random supplements and then injuring themselves. And that's more detrimental to their health as well, especially physical and mental. Because mm-hmm. if you get injured while training, then you're like, oh, I'm falling behind. I can't train anymore. And that's kind of like when, when I first started, going to just like, if I miss a day, it's like, no, I'm gone. Like it's, it's done. <laughs> I'll just start all over again. And then it's just, and it becomes kind of like a repeating cycle. And fortunate enough for me, you know, I did study sports science, which helped me kind of, you know, learn the rights and wrongs about how to actually put on muscle, which takes the stress out of you a little bit more as well, like providing the proper education. And then you're like, oh, I don't need to go to gym every day. And things I've been doing is wrong. But yeah. you have to accept that and like, okay, this is the right way, you know, like, the other thing is acceptance. Like you can tell someone like, you know, what you're doing is right and wrong, but will they actually take your advice? Like, well, because that is that lack of education, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think of that one in 10 or that two in 10 guys at gyms who potentially, according to the studies, meet the criteria for muscle dysmorphia. There's always that guy who's there every time you go, every time you go and you almost know his routine back to back and you know the days that you're not there, he's there. And, yeah, it makes me wonder as you say that, is he well-informed uh, or is it purely that he does, you know, he's got such an acute case of muscle dysmorphia that he he just, you know, he can't not go because the, at the core of muscle dysmorphia and body dysmorphia, that, that's that, it's that preoccupation and obsession with you're not big enough uh, and, you, you know, you're almost obsessed with the mental and physical acts that relate to that. Yeah, also, like the repetitive behavior, you know, going like seeing that same person all the time, 
But the other thing is, does this person always look the same to you? Like, let's just say you see this person over a period of time. Oh, always. <laughs> if they always look the same. They don't change because I think, like, at the start, you are set in your ways. Like I said with me as well, you know, I want to get gym all the time. And at the start, yes, you will see results. And then that kind of gets you addicted to it. But then your body adapts to so if your body's adapting to what you're doing, you need to change up your training style. Mm. You need to look, you know, you, again, education comes into play as well. Like you need to say, you know, if this is like, if you squat 50 kilos, just say at the start, it's going to be hard. But if you keep going and keep going, it's going to get easier. But then it's like, do you have to change it up? Do you have to put the weight up or do something else with training. But repeating the same motion all the time, your body's going to get adapted to it. And then you won't see changes. And in terms of like pushing yourself harder, the new programs will be harder. And then you might think, oh, this is too hard for me. I'm going to go back to my old ways. And then it's a cycle and then you're not going to change. And you're just going to keep beating yourself up for it. And then, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard. Like it's hard to get out of that cycle. Like, well, that's it. Because your, your body from a mental and a physical perspective, it wants to be as efficient as possible. Your body, your body doesn't want to hold on to excess muscle because it, it requires more energy to maintain that so as, as you said if you're doing the same routine your body will get used to it and go okay we can push this weight with the least amount of muscle possible so you've got to con- yeah. constantly shock that don't you yeah so you need to like any training style you do you have to adapt like if you're adapting you got to change it up like even with athletes or anyone like bodybuilders as well they won't do the same program ever and ever you know it will work but then at one point it won't so it's just doing the further education. Like, how can I make things harder? Also, maintaining my lifestyle and not hurting myself, so I can do other things. Like, if you're a bodybuilder and that's your job, then that's fine, you know. But if you're like, about like that's not your main source of income, you need to worry. Like, if I'm doing too much, is it going to affect my work, my relationship, like my social life, just day-to-day activities? So again, like the you have to take into account a lot of variables when actually training. And unfortunately, most people just think, you know, training, training, training. Like, <laughs> you have to train. Like, it does, you know, for the time when you're there. Like, when you do exercise, you do release endorphins, you know. It does make you feel better. So, maybe that's the reason why they go and do the same thing. But then, you know, you might feel like you're going to the gym all the time and then this new guy rocks up and he's training less than you and a few months he's bigger than you and you're like, what's going on? I'm being yeah. consistent, but this guy rocks out of nowhere and just goes, hey, I'm training less than you and I'm bigger than you. <laughs> what of it? But can't, like, these are some of the things you have to consider as well. So, well, the yeah. bodybuilder one's an interesting one because when you, if you look at the diagnostic criteria in the DSM for muscle dysmorphia in particular, you'd almost argue that most bodybuilders meet it. But I suppose the difference, as you said, is that's their job. They have to meet it to be competitive, to continue to progress and to continue to provide an income. But then you have people who maybe they don't even compete. And I think, you know, both of us would know or know of people like this. They don't even compete, let alone are they professional bodybuilders, but they still you know, they're doing their meticulous meal prep, they're counting their calories, they're they're reducing their alcohol and sugar intake, which is not a bad thing, but they're so strict and regimented. What for? 
Exactly. Well, that depends on the individual, doesn't it? Like each individual have a different answer to why they're doing it. And again, like that kind of restriction can lead to other, you know, problems. Mm. But if, again, like everyone's got a different goal. Like, but the most common, the most common thing I found through my teenage years is people, oh, teenagers around my days, like they just want the attention. Like they just want to get that attention, and then, you know, and they feel like that. But you don't get like you can't predict what kind of attention you'll get. Will it be positive or negative? Mm. So they don't consider that. So why why do you think Sabab? Because I don't know about you, but I, I know in the last few years I've heard a lot about the impact of uh, unrealistic body image being portrayed on Instagram by all the fitness models and whatnot for young girls. And the impact that has on eating disorders, anxiety, depression, all of that. But I hear very little about the same rhetoric about teenage boys and young men. Because I, I would argue there's probably, I mean, maybe not as much. But if you go through Instagram and check out fitness or supplements or gym or e- even martial arts and stuff like that, a lot of what you see, uh, as you alluded to earlier, are incredibly fit, ripped, muscular, male bodies but we don't hear much about the impact of that on men why do you reckon that is i think i can relate to like why you started your work as well you know men men usually don't want to talk about like you know feelings and stuff and me also going to a psychologist and when she said to me you know you don't want males don't want to seem weak you know they don't want to say you know i'm scared or you know i'm like what's the word i'm looking for sorry uh they don't want to portray the weakness to other people, you know. Yeah, so they're just like you know, yeah, the, exactly. That's the word. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so they just again, they just push it down. Like I personally experience of doing the same thing, you know, and you just push it down. So you know what? I'll just get on with it. Like I'm being a male, you know. I got the genetics, you know, more testosterone than a female. If I want to work hard, I'll go and get it. So, and then you just push it inside and you just you know go and do it. So and do then, you reckon it, it, it might have the same impact on teenage boys and young men as it does for women, but they're just not, because they're not reporting about it or talking about it as much, it's not as spoken about widely? I think I think the big difference I can see is with boys, especially in the younger age, they just go to the gym and try to make an effort. They don't talk about it. Like You can tell, like, they're suffering from it. So they'll just go to the gym and instead of talking about like, you know, what they're struggling with, they'll just be, you know what, I'm just going to go to the gym and just try to fix it myself rather than get help. So you'll see, teen, especially around nowadays, like teenage boys, like around in my gym, like 3.30, 4pm, it's just filled with teenage boys, you know, before they're training, like footy training or any sport training, they'll come to the gym, smash out a session and then they'll just go train. So they don't want to talk. They're just like, you know, I feel like they're kind of masking it as well. Like, then, like, what is I'll just use it, like, you know, I'm getting big to play sports or stuff. But sometimes when you do see them, like, your exercises don't match your sporting needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that so, three rep max is maybe yeah. not be beneficial to your basketball. <laughs> yeah, so exactly, things like that. But I think females tend to talk about it more. And I think with also with female influencers, they, like, nowadays I've been seeing a lot of influencers just bring up the issue. Like with females, but with males, no one brings up the issues. Like, you know, with males, obviously, you know, you have to be big, you know, do this, do this. Nothing like, you know, 
Yeah, that, that's a really good point because I've seen a few. I mean, I've got a I've got a personal Instagram that I I don't use much at all anymore, um, and I go on it occasionally, and it's just it's I I was I used to use it about five ten years ago, so it's just full of that's you know when I was quite into the gym and the bodybuilding and all that stuff, and it's just full of this all those pages. But you make a really good point in that some of those pages now are females who are dispelling the myth of this whole Instagram perfect body, unrealistic yeah. expectations. I've never seen a bloke's page do that though. I've never right. seen it because the, the common one is you see the female in her uh, leggings sitting there in a chair and she'll be showing like her muffin top or whatnot and like, yeah. yep, before and after, two minutes difference, lighting and angle. But I've never yeah. seen a bloke do that. Interesting. Oh, no, guys don't do that. And I'm also guilty of that. I would say I would never, I've never actually spoke about it on my page, like talking about like, you know, the issue, like, and again, I think with me, I like, and also this is what I've personally experienced. Like you have to have that certain image if you want to be a fitness person. And I think nowadays, like there's a few people who are trying to break that, you know, like if you go on Instagram, if you look up two people that I really follow, uh, James Smith and Darren Cartel, they literally, they don't look like fitness people at all, but it's in their brain and the way they promote things. Like I got so much out of them and, you know, and they look like your average Joe. and they're putting, they're going online, they're putting up topless photos and stuff, but they're not ripped. But mm. then they also make a point, you know, they are happy with how they look, you know. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like. And James Smith, I saw this funny comment on his thing. This guy made a funny comment. Like he put up a photo and he wasn't looking as, you know, ripped like most influencers. And he made a comment like, looking looking a bit soft there, James. And his response is one of the best things I've read. It's like, sorry, man, I didn't spend eight weeks for a $1,200 photo shoot so I can get some uh, approval for some randoms on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just. That's good. It's again, like it's getting there, but it's not where it should be, you know. Well, and the sad reality, though, of that is if you're a personal trainer or a fitness coach, you're in that space, it's a lot easier to become successful and sell your programs and get clients if you're posting ripped photos as opposed to being real and authentic. Yeah. Again, like as much as we don't want to admit it, sex does sell. Like, you know, if it appeals to your eye, like you will, like you will get it. Like, Mm. So he's like, oh, he's he looks so good. I'm gonna go do what he does. But is it actually, you know, can your body do it though? Like, we're growing young. When I was younger, I was followed this guy on Instagram. He do like muscle up, muscle up handstands, flag pulls, all those stuff. And I'm like, my body's not meant for that. <laughs> and then I'm like, do I? And I remember one night I went out and I'm like, you know what? I've been doing this thing. I got so drunk, and I tried to do a handstand. And this is not great when you're wearing a suit. And I kind of went to do it and my tie got stuck under my arm, my hand, sorry. And I literally flipped and fell through a table. Oy. So, yeah, so mind you, I was drunk. So I'm like, I could just brush it off and get off with it. So it's just, you have to first like realize you, everyone's got different expect- expectations. Everyone's got different abilities to do things. And then it's just working on things you can do that will advantage you like how how far into this did you find yourself sabab because i mean i can relate 
it's probably in my early 20s i was very into the you know the meal preps and whatnot and uh, you know i could see i don't think i would have ever said i had muscle dysmorphia but hanging around some of the people i was at the time i'd say they definitely probably did and i i feel like when i look back at it i was probably on the cusp of going you know what if i'd taken that a few steps further i easily could have become consumed by this um what about yourself how deep into this did you get so i'll start from like when i like my first experience so being overweight so every morning i just wake up and just look at myself in the mirror like the first thing i would do and then as i started losing weight i would do the same thing just every day first thing i'll do is look in the mirror and again later on I realize like nutrition comes in not every day your body will look the same depending on you know how you eat and stuff water retention and all that stuff so i would just look in the mirror every day and be like you know what no i'm not good enough for this i gotta keep going and keep going so once i started losing weight and then i started going to the gym more and i started seeing changes and that kind of i became addicted to it you know every morning look at the mirror i see how i look like you know if i look good i'm feel good the next and then i'll be like you know, i'll keep doing it so would you say would you i mean you said addicted strong word but you just yeah. said yourself too that if you looked good you felt good was yeah. it as simple as that so if you looked a bit bloated a bit you know soft that morning yeah. would that really affect your mood and self-esteem for that day 100 percent. you're like what have i done wrong you know what i mean like mm. i've done everything the same every day and like i'm working out as hard i didn't eat anything crap like why am i looking bloody but then again water retention, all that stuff. Like if you had something salty or something the day before, which I learned later down the track. So your self-worth at the time really was tied to how you looked in the mirror each morning. Exactly. Because, you know, you get more attention. Like I said, like being overweight when I was in year nine and 10, people wouldn't talk to me. Well, and then kind of made me, you know what? What happens if I start losing weight? Will I get more attention? And also also playing like sports as a young kid. You didn't. I didn't want to be that fat kid in the team. Unfortunately, I was at the time. So around like year 11, I started getting into more fitness and started losing weight. You get more attention and people are like, whoa, what happened to you? Like when you don't see them for a season. And then that kind of, you know, I'm getting more attention. Like your performance increased because, you know, your five kilos lighter and you can run better. Especially with like, we're both playing soccer. And then that kind of, you know, and that kind of got my interest into the sports science kind of field. So learning about then like the muscle building kind of stuff came into play. But again, from the early experience, like the attention thing is the big thing. Like people give you more attention if you look better. Mm-hmm. Like, so for you though, because I know we identified earlier on that education really is key for that new client or that that you know that guy listening to this episode. But for you, if you didn't study sports science, let's say you went off and studied accounting and didn't equip yourself with a lot of this knowledge and didn't do any thorough searches online you could have easily become a lot more consumed by this, couldn't you? I would have 100% just followed what some influencer put up, you know. Mm. Eat six times a day, do this, do this, do this, work out this muscle, this muscle, this muscle, and just commit myself to the gym all the time. Like, because again, but that's the expectation, you know, because they're doing it. But I don't know, like being young, like that's their only job. You know, they have to do that. I don't, that's not my job. Like I have to go to school, you know, I have to play sports, then add gym on top of that. So it kind of like, it does overwhelm you because you've got so much thing to do. Like my routine when I was in high school was, I'll wait, I'll go to school, I'll come home. The first thing I'll do is go to gym. 
then like if I don't get gym on the way, I won't do anything. Like I won't study if I don't go to gym. I have to go to the gym first. And then it's just like once I got gym out of the way, then I can kind of like resume with my normal day-to-day activities. But that kind of also consumed a lot of my life. Like it would be like if friends want to hang out on the weekend, if kind of like, hey, do you want to do something at 10 a.m.? I'm like, no, I have to go to gym first. I can do it after. And then they kind of be like, oh, no, no, it's all right. You do your thing. And then you kind of miss out on an opportunity to kind of like socialize as well. Yeah. Because then your friends think, you know, you don't care about them as much as you should. So and that, that's, like, that's, that's a really hard one because on one hand, you go, you know, self-care, somebody who goes to the gym. I mean, I'm very similar at the moment, like in my life for self-care for me is my, my martial arts, my my weights, my walking my dog, which 80, 90% of the time are non-negotiables. So on one hand, you might go, yeah, you know, he's not going to see his friends because he's going to go to the gym, but maybe he needs that for his self-care. Maybe that's okay. But then there is a fine line then between going, hang on, he always does this and he's starting to miss out on a lot of different things, whether it be nights out or dinners or whatnot because of that obsession with body image and needing or having to get to the gym and not being able to allow any other time or energy until he's done that. Yeah, and I could relate because, like, I would go out with my mates and I would not drink. I will just, you know, and I was a bit shy, so I wouldn't get on the dance floor unless I was, like, a bit tipsy or drunk. So you don't want to be that guy with your friends just sitting on the chairs all the time and they're getting absolutely sloshed and you're like, I'm fine because I'm a bit shy and I'm not drinking alcohol. So again, it does come into play with your social aspects as well. Like, And if you keep pushing the gym back, like putting the gym in front of other friends or other activities for families, then then they might not realize it's good for your mental health, but they might perceive it as, you know, He's not valuing our friendship as much as the gym. Like the gym is more to him than us. Yeah. And then and even, you that, go- even that question though, Sabab, is it good, you know, might be good for his mental health. I, I know the guys I've worked with uh, who who experience sort of muscle dysmorphia, they, they might argue that, yeah, but going to the gym, as you said, I go to the gym, I feel good, then I can get on with all the other stuff. So it's good for my mental health. But if you actually dig a bit deeper, and identify that, hang on, this is actually an unhealthy obsession and preoccupation. It might feel good, so therefore you you sort of justify it as being good for your mental health, but long-term, it's probably the exact opposite. Again, yeah. So like you just said, you hit it right back uh, on cue. Like, you can, you know, at the time, you might feel better, but, you know, you did your session, you're feeling amazing, all the endorphins are flowing. Then you go home and then like, what do I do for the rest of the day? No one wants to talk to me because they're busy doing their thing. And you're just like, there, okay. And then come be like, you know, gym is the only thing you have to look, you know, to look forward to. Like, yeah. Gym is the only place you can go that will bring you that happiness. And that's where you want to be all the time. I, I yeah. remember one time, this came up earlier when we started speaking about this, when me and my best mate at the time were very into our gym and our eating and, you know, we were aiming to put on a certain amount of weight or whatnot and we went to the movies and because, you know, gains life, you don't want to be eating popcorn or ice cream. <laughs> yeah. So so we had our little Tupperware containers of almonds and water. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I remember when I got home, I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not about this. <laughs> I'm like, this is not right. If I can't enjoy a bloody chock top, 
uh, and I'm not even, you know, competing or you know, modeling. I'm like, what the hell am I doing to myself? That's the other thing you bring up, like the like the competing thing, like like you do work out to some like some people have that goal to compete, you know, to get up on stage. And I was at one stage, I wanted to do that, but the the big thing that got to me was like, it's too hard for me. Like people might take it the wrong way, but yeah, it, it takes a lot of discipline and stuff. But the things you need to sacrifice to get up on that stage. But for what though? Just to get approval of some random people that you look good. That kind of like, you know, I don't need someone to tell me I look good. I know like I'm happy with my appearance, which I finally got to like, you know, at a certain stage of my life. But again, like, like you said, going to the movies, just, I used to go like, I think I still do it. Like I'm not a big fan of popcorn. So, but when I would go to the movie, I would sneak in some protein bars in case I don't just like snack on other stuff. But again, like, you need to do things like which sometimes society, you know, sees as the norm. Like, you know, when you go to the movie, you have popcorn, chocolates, chocolates, not, you know, almonds and water or like a protein. Like people will just look at you funny. It's like, like, what is this guy doing? It's just a movie. Yeah. Like, relax. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that come into play, especially like, you know, there's a lot of benefits of fitness, but we, that's always covered. It's just the negative things are not covered as much. Yeah. Well, they, I think you said it well there. There's a lot of positive to the health and fitness industry, but there's also a very dark side, especially when it comes to supplements and unrealistic body image and using that to sell supplements and programs and overall just bullshit to really vulnerable, insecure, mostly young people, but you know, just people in general. And yeah, nowadays you're seeing extremes on social media, like people getting implants, you know, especially with the calf thing, like people getting calf implants and everything. It's like, why, you, like, what makes someone think to a point, like, you know, you have to get surgical procedures to actually, you know, achieve something. So. I was, I went to the Arnold Classic two years ago now, I think. I was watching a mate uh, in his first kickboxing fight. And so I'd never been to the Arnold Classic. I thought it was unreal because I love health, fitness, all of that. But I was amazed. They had a cosmetic uh, stall where, wow, some of the procedures I didn't know were things. And just how they were promoting them with the the language and the pictures, like the calf implants, the breast implants, the – what was the one for women? Like I can't remember what the it's called. Lift? No, the labia, something with the uh, – the labia plastic, oh, I don't know. But it was basically, they were selling it. I read the brochure. It was, they were selling it as in, you know, do this procedure and get, you know, your private parts sort of cleaned up a bit, you know, tucked up a bit. And I'm just like, what is happening? I'm like, this is insane. Like if you walked around the Arnold Classic and you were, as you said, uninformed, un- uneducated and a bit insecure and a bit unsure of where you fit in in the world and your self-worth, that's a really intimidating place to be because everywhere you've got supplement companies and cosmetic companies just saying, oh, this this is your ideal. This is your ideal. This is what you need. This is what you need to do. Ultimately, to be happy, to be successful, to get the girls, to get the boys. And wow, blew my mind. Really did. And again, like that's the other thing. Like when you go to the convention, there's not like not even like an average looking Joe that's you know, trying to promote something. It's always like the biggest dude, the ripped dude. And they're kind of like, how can I get that big? Like when I went to my first one and I was following this influence at the time 
and I shook his hand, took a photo. He was a really nice guy, but name names, name good. names. Uh, I was Callum Von Wagger, but then I realized he's a he's a oh yeah, yeah, he's he's the dude who played Arnold in that. Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also my young. Yeah, I used to look up to him, and then I actually got a photo. He's a really nice guy when I met him. Like, and I, I have a photo with him. Like, I shook his hand. His bicep was bigger than my head at the time. And you know, luckily for me at that time, because I finished uni and stuff, I knew like you know that's not a, un, like that's not expected from the average joke. You know, just go to the gym <laughs> and stuff. Because and but you can see like you know these people they look you see them through your screen. You know, most of the time. When you see them in person, you're like, whoa, they actually look bigger. And then you're like, and that kind of can give you like two ways. And either you can work harder in a positive way or you just get flattered like, holy shit, I can't get that big. That is just unrealistic. Yeah. So, but well, again, as you said, like somebody like Callum, I mean, that's his whole career. That is his whole life. And yeah. the amount of stuff he's doing behind the scenes, whether it be yeah. training supplements or some other things that might not be overly legal, that he yeah. would be insane. But as you said, but, all you see is that Instagram post when he finished and yeah. he's pumped at the gym. But the good thing about him was like he actually went on YouTube and actually like confessed that he did take steroids. So he, mm-hmm. he kind of gave his overview. Like, And that's the other thing. Most people do hide that side of their life. But he actually had a million minutes. So which was, you know... I praise him for that. Like, that's good. Like, people know. Like, like steroids doesn't mean you get instant results. That's the other thing. Like, you have to put in the work as well. Yeah. Like, the effort is needed as well. Just because taking supplements or getting a plastic surgery is not going to get you what you want. You still have to go to the gym and put in the effort. So. Well, with steroids, I mean, that in itself, as you said earlier on, education and being informed. I still remember that same guy I was going to the gym with eight years ago. He's, we were going two, three times a week and he, his bench press just jumped up within like four weeks to equal mine then well above. And I'm like, and I could see, I'm like, dude, you're getting big, man. And he's like, oh yeah, I got some, got some, got some gear. And I'm like, oh, you're fucking kidding. I said, well, why, man? And he's like, oh, you know, a guy at the gym sort of said I could get them pretty cheap. So I'm just, you know, popping some pills. And I said, have you been to the GP? Have you got a blood test? Have you checked? Oh, no, no, I'll be right. I watch a YouTube video on it and I'm just like, yeah. oh man, like get That's informed. And it's so easily accessible nowadays, you know. People can get access to it so easily. But again, education doesn't come with it, does it? It's like, just take it. Yeah. And there's so many side effects that people don't know about. So it's just... Well, yeah, I had people... a guy at the gym. The last time I was offered was at that same gym probably two years ago. And a guy in the change room, so I see regularly, he's like, oh, hey, man, you're, you're looking pretty good. You've been working hard. And I'm like, oh, thanks, naked man in the gym, <laughs> um, in the bathroom it was. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, like, you know, if you really wanted to step it up a bit, you know, I could I could hook you up. And I, I was I did. I was like, sorry? I thought he was selling supplements. He's like, no, no, like, you know, 120 a month, like, we could take you to that next level, dude. And I was curious. I sort of said to him, oh, you know, how often would I take it, this, that, and the other? He's like, oh, you know, I'd just hook you up, you know, you, you take whatever it was, two pills a day or whatever, and you'd be yeah. sweet. And I thought, shit, like how many impressionable young dudes would have yeah, actually just have, gone, yeah. stuff it. And they're, they've been prescribed something that they're paying for and the, under the guidance of the naked guy in the gym. 
That's exactly. Just, uh... And but the other thing is like the common like conception you get of the gym is if you go into the gym and if you see someone's actually being like steroids, you know, that's the first thing that comes to your head. Like, and I'll admit to like when I first played you in soccer, I think it was you were playing for Old Scotch and I was playing for Nine Morning. It was like a reserve game, <laughs> and I think I was marking. I'm like, this dude must be on something because for a guy that big playing on a wing and running as much as me, it was just you know. <laughs> And I think the next year we've actually played together at Noble Park. Well, especially so, for a soccer player, though. I mean, soccer yeah, player. I was like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, my luck, you know, it's third game of the season, and I get this big bloody dude running at me. Luckily, that was a nil-nil game. I remember, I think, so I did my part. But again, like that conception, you know, when again, if someone's too big in the gym or too big in real life, it's like the first thing that comes to your head is like steroids. So that's the other thing that comes. So, yeah. So, Sabah, what, what would you say? Because I know there's there's going to be a lot of people listening to this, especially young guys, I imagine, because as soon as we say muscle dysmorphia, we've got a PT on the podcast. There's going to be a lot of young guys listening to this who in some way can relate to that idea of wanting to get big or ripped or massive or whatever it is. If that's where they're at and they can resonate with what you've been talking about, what would you say to them? I would say, like, firstly, state out, like, why do you want to get to that stage? Is it for, and don't be ashamed, ashamed of saying it, you know, if you want to do it personally just for attention or get, you know, more girls or for sporting reason, that's up to you, you know. Who are we to judge? It's your life. But make sure whenever you, if you do do it, do your research. Like, make sure you, you know, training properly, getting recovery, eating well, and also talking about it helps. Like, you can see, you know, especially like teenage boys, they get in a group of mates, you know, and like, you know, we'll go to, and that is, that is good for your mental health though, you know, you mm. have a clip, you go in a group of three or four guys, you know, mates working out together, chatting, that is good. But again, it's just finding that balance and making sure you do things that is achievable for you and don't compare yourself to other people. Like, especially me and you, like, I don't compare myself that game to your body shape, you know, to be a soccer player. You know, I'll have different body shapes, but we have our different abilities to what we can do. So just because your mate can bench more than you doesn't mean you have to keep up with them. You can take your time and get there. Mm. And again, the first thing I'll say is just compete against yourself. Try to make yourself better. Don't compare yourself to someone else because their body is not going to be the same as yours. You know, if you both do the same exercise every day, you both have different body types. You might, might get ripped and jacked, but your biceps might look better than his or his abs might look better than yours. Yeah. Just find, it's just finding that silver lining like to accept yourself and how you look and then just... Well, and that, and that goes down to a deeper level, isn't it, Sabah? And uh, I mean, I'm glad you said that. Two things there are firstly, ask yourself why, why this is so important to you. Yep. And dig a bit deeper there, do some introspection, and actually go, hang on, well, why do I feel like I need to do this or want to do this? Not to say that being, you know, getting muscular and whatnot, there's a bad thing, but just being aware, okay, is this an obsession or have I got an unhealthy preoccupation with it? Or is it just a desire to, you know, put on a bit of muscle for one reason or another? But then the second thing, which is so, so keen, this is where you need to go and see somebody like Sabab. Do your Google research as well, but I think having a, a consult or an ongoing relationship with a professional like Sabab is absolutely critical is to actually get informed because you can Google this stuff, but 
again, people are trying to sell you stuff, make money. There's, it's very hard to figure out the truth from all the bullshit out there. Exactly. So in, in saying that, Sabab, how can people get in contact with you if they're in Melbourne? Uh, and tell us what do you actually what do you do? You doing group programs? You doing one on one? Give us your so spiel. At the moment, it's hard with COVID, so I'm just limited myself to training people via Zoom, and also I'm I think the restrictions are lower right now, so I'm starting to do a couple of boot camps and home visits to train people, maintaining my social distance. If anyone wants to know, and I do most of my, like, if you want to reach out to me, it's via Instagram. So it's train with Sabab, all one word. And I basically run everything through that. So people contact me through there. And the website is at work. So I'll eventually get there when things start to get back to normal. But when gyms open, I'm based in Knoxfield Jets for now. So. Knoxfield Jets. Instagram train with Sabab and he's doing Zoom consults and training at the moment, which means for all you interstate and international uh, listeners, you can hit Sabab up and even just have a video consult about some of the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, last thing I would say too, though, is if a lot of this is or some of it has resonated with you and you think maybe you do have an unhealthy preoccupation or obsession with body image or muscle dysmorphia in particular, I would really encourage you to do some more research but actually reach out and get some support to start actually exploring this stuff because we didn't get to it today, but at the really acute end, it can have really drastic impacts on your mental health. The correlations and comorbidities of anxiety, depression, even uh, suicidality are quite real at the acute end. So if you relate to any of that, think it might be a problem, please, please get yourself some help. Okay. Any final parting comments, Sabab? Um, no, thank you for having me. It was good to actually share, you know, a little bit of insight of, you know, what happens in the gym and, you know, the expectations of working out in the gym and what males perceive as, you know, the perfect look for themselves. And again, like me being also guilty of it, I've been through that process. I'm fortunate enough to break out of that cycle of, you know, going to the gym all the time and accepting how I look. But again, it's like, if you need help, reach out, you know, and it's... It's a common thing nowadays, you know, people just going to the gym all the time, setting themselves unrealistic targets, but just accept how you look and give it your best. And again, find, no, always compare yourself to you, not other people, with my final advice. Just, you, it's you versus you, not you versus the dude on the steroids well, that's <laughs> or it. anyone else. It's not yeah. you and that guy in the gym because you don't know his yeah. genetics, what's going on for him yeah. and uh, what he's taking behind closed doors. Thanks for your time. Sabab, really enjoyed this, man. We'll do this again sometime in the future. Take care, uh, and I'll chat to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Bloke Psychology Podcast. If you like what you heard, please share the episode with a friend or family member, subscribe to the podcast, or leave us a review. If you want to get in contact or find out any more about the work that we do at Bloke Psychology, just head to blokesecology.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening.